Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Hello and welcome everyone to the China Shop. Come on in, come on in. I'm shopkeeper Dan. With me as always is Kyle, creator of financialineptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. Another great guest lined up. Looking forward to picking his brain. We do. It's a bonus episode. With us today, we have Obi Onyejikwe, CEO of Unami, COO of Pixel Pirate Studios. How are you doing today, Obi? I'm great. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's jump off. Let's get started. Uh, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, how how uh, how you, how did you rise to the top? To be COO and COO, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you get your journey going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on. But yeah, like, um, God, it started, I mean, I went to school for graphic design at Georgia State, um, graduated, um, moved, and I was working at Turner and TBS in Atlanta for a bit in another small animation studio uh, called Primal Screen, and then uh, moved to New York, started working at um, Spike TV and... And eventually a, a startup called Guilt Group, then multiple ad agencies um, called Dentu America, Tribal DDB, eventually BT, then Nickelodeon. So bounced around a bit. But yeah, I just really worked hard on finessing my portfolio at the time as a designer. And then, of course, motion designer, worked in 3D. Um, and then just I think what was most important for me personally was I really focused on where the industry was going. So when I saw... TV was kind of tanking. It's crazy. I saw TV tanking in 2005. Hmm. I saw budgets reducing, ratings were dropping, constant complaints from upper management. <laughs> this is when Facebook is flooding in. Um, YouTube is just coming in. I remember asking, I, I remember predicting a Netflix type concept because I even remember asking my boss at the time, hey, what if we, you know, produce content online and showed it, showed it there? And they're like, nah, it won't, it'll never make money. <laughs> Seriously. And, uh, do you still talk to that guy? Oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I really saw a lot of the writing on the wall. And that's when I left. And that's when I started working at Guilt because I really was like, I saw the resurgence of tech really coming back. So I was like, okay, let me get in the tech scene. Let me see what's happening here. Learned a lot. You know, I think for me, if, if anything, it was a little bit less about the money. There was definitely money I, I missed that was on the table, but what I learned was far more valuable, if anything. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, eventually after um, Nickelodeon, I started my first startup, which was uh, Neato, which was a facial recognition software, similar to what you see in Snapchat, 
Um, Snapchat actually acquired our competitor Luxury to get that technology. Then yeah. AOL acquired our company uh, down the line. And then um, sold that, of course, and then um, moved to California and started Unami, which is a um, software as a service for animators and video game developers, where we automate lip syncing for 2D and 3D animation. Uh, we have a motion capture software that's going to launch sometime this summer, spring, summer. Uh, and then, of course, we have an avatar creator that we're working on. And then, yeah, just I think even like an audiobook software that, that's uh, that's out and we're beta testing. So oh, wow. we're like a mini Adobe over here. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm always surprised when I hear that AOL still exists. I keep forgetting that. there. <laughs> exactly. It's weird. I think then they got acquired. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, they bought multiple companies before, um, before ours. The, you, um, was it Yahoo kind of did the same thing? I think they had a huge investment in Alibaba when they first went public, uh, what was that five or six years ago? Exactly. But I always wondered how those companies made money, I guess, the advertising and then investing that ad revenue. <laughs> Pretty much. And then a lot of the acquisitions are to either boost their technology portfolio mm -hmm. uh, help internally, because most of these big companies, what people don't realize, they don't really do R&D. Um, right. Acquisitions are just a lot cheaper. Yeah. It's a lot easier to let somebody else do the work and then just write them a check. <laughs> yeah, because it's a risk, you know, because they could, with all their money, they could still get it wrong. Right. So how, how did that uh, happen with the, the AOL? Uh, did they approach you with an offer or yeah. was there negotiation? Yeah, I think it was um, mutual because uh, around that time, everybody in facial recognition was being acquired. Ah. So first it was Luxly with, uh, with um, Snapchat and then another, com another one of our competitors, I think Adobe got them and Google got somebody. And I was just like, oh my God, we got to get an acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. There's no way like all these guys uh, are getting acquired and not us. Hell no, we got great tech here. So eventually, yeah, my business partner, um, uh, re I think, reached out and then those negotiations there. And then uh, it was pretty long. That's one mm -hmm. thing. There's some gold nuggets I learned in that process. Um, first off, if you're about to be acquired, you need to have like $200,000 liquid sitting around for legal. Really? Yeah. Now, some people's acquisition could be a lot cheaper depending on what it is. But if it's like multi millions, it's 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 going to be up there. And especially if it's a bigger corporation like AOL, mm -hmm. um, gonna do, it's due diligence. That's what right. you're paying for. Yeah, yeah. Like your your lawyers are combing over every single document in the company that, from fruition. Oh wow! Every single document. you got to make sure it's signed, dated properly. Um, make sure nothing's missing. If it's missing, we had to re-sign like multiple contracts. Things were just missing, you know, like crazy. Um, they're gonna comb through even what your intern signed, all the NDAs. Really? Yeah. Um, they're gonna review code, make sure things aren't janky, you know. Um, just a lot of things are gonna um a lot of kind of back and forth negotiations as well. Like, um, Based because I think like they'll you'll start with one number, it might go up, it might go down after they see the the um after they the start look, digging in. Yep, yeah, when they start looking under the hood, <laughs> the number can start dro dropping down a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it yeah, it's and and so I mean we didn't get all the way to two hundred thousand, but we got close. Well, they're just in legal fees that you had to put up front. Yep. 
Yeah, we yeah, we had to raise just to get to two hundred thousand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, my business partner and then another group of other investors threw some money in to cover that cost. So it sounds like that's still a risk even then at that point too, because it is. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, if they pull out, it's a wrap. You. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, not happy with the way the stock market after this week. I can't imagine all that. Yeah, all that hard work and months exactly. of the expectation. <laughs> Exactly. So, now the beauty is if, if it does go through, I think it's looked at, it could be looked at as just debt that's easily paid back. Or um, in that case, it was, was used as convertible note. So you would mm -hmm. be highly rewarded if it went through. Mm -hmm. Right. We did, were you still a part of the company after they acquired you or was that pretty much yeah, sign the I papers still, and I'm done? Yeah, I was still like, um, like a chairman at the time. Um, mm -hmm. So with a significant amount of shares too. So yeah, that, the worst is, you know, you're gone or you left too early you don't have or no or you have no shares and you see exit later on then yeah i think yeah we keep seeing that pop up in the news and we like was it uh, microsoft or apple that one of the guys took a buyout of like 200 dollars back when they were first like developing it oh, yeah <laughs> like, oh that it was, was a mistake <laughs> yeah oh and, man i can't and, even imagine living with that exactly <laughs> The, the legendary Walmart story of Sam Walton getting everybody in his town to invest. And like a year later, a guy needed a new tractor. So he sold his shares for 1400 bucks. And like uh, everybody else in the whole town are multimillionaires now, except for him and his family. Crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. He's better off like getting a part-time job and abandoning the tractor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. He could have door greeted at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, well it's it it sounds like uh uh you've done quite a lot in your entrepreneurship what what do you think some of the the hardest obstacles for you personally to overcome were along your journey to to getting a business started and going and worth something yeah like god you know not you gotta res you gotta really um be humble in the sense that if you didn't go to a harvard business school don't assume that, you know, you just know business. That's one thing. Um, I really did have to do research. Uh, I went through accelerator programs, which was great. That really helped a lot. Um, even then, there's still a lot you don't know. There, there was just so much. Even with the from first startup to this second one, I thought, okay, cool. I, I know a good chunk. Like, I should be set. Okay, I think I know the formula for this. And then, right. oh, hell no. You're just like, <laughs> shit. Like, Always there, changing. still... Yeah, always changing, always evolving. There's still things you didn't know. Um, I mean, the crazy thing with the startup, you really have to get everything right. Your marketing has to be right. Your invest, get, raising capital has to be right. Raising capital at a quick enough pace has to be right. Your team has to be right. Um, I was just advising a guy the other day on his pitch deck and what needs to be in there. And a lot of people just hone in on that. And that's, that's, that's minor. You know, your team needs to be in, like, Phenomenal. I think one thing about his that I pointed out was um, I was like, they're like, oh yeah, we're we're raising or we're I guess pulling some money in to you know to develop the software, blah blah blah. Um, cool, and we're eventually gonna be raising. And but I was like, but you have a CTO, right? And he's like, yeah. I was like, so the CTO's not programming this? And he's, I think he's like, no. And he's like, well, dude, that's like okay. Me being a party company, I do web design, marketing, branding, animation. Um, I could bang out all the UI UX for all the software. And that's like me saying, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. We'll just raise money. And then somebody else is just going to do that. I'm like, <laughs> what? 
Do you know how much money you save and how fast you go if your guy is hands-on? And I see a lot of that, you know? Right. They're just, and, and I think I'll advise a lot of people, you should more or less have a more of a lead engineer than a CTO. CTO is just too high. They, a lot of them don't really code anymore. So, and then there's not much of an incentive. I mean, if they're accustomed to making 200 to half a million dollars at wherever they are, you know, it's just, right. I, I don't see the incentive of really kind of abandoning a ship for a, a huge risk. <laughs> I remember when Kickstarter was first becoming a, a very popular, like how many of the, the projects on there, like never actually finished. Like there's mm-hmm. so many people out there with, you know, good ideas. I mean, good ideas that people are willing to, you know, throw some money into, but mm-hmm. they never make it past that concept stage and then actually put the work in to, to turn it into that product. Like, how, how did you make that step when you had your ideas and, and turn them into, you know, profitable companies that were able to be, you know, sold or, or continue doing business? Yeah, I mean, I think the top thing was, you know, I look, my nephew has ideas. The, the mission mm-hmm. is, you know, the real entrepreneur is the person that pulls the trigger and moves forward, you know? Right. And the first investor in your company is going to be you. And you're going to have to get it to a point where people, you've mitigated enough risk for others to kind of really get involved. Mm-hmm. And the formula is true for um, Kickstarter. And it's true for, you know, equity crowd funds. It's true for when you um, are raising capital in general. And so even on Kickstarter, you got to have, let's say it's a comic book. You got to have like half the book done. Right. You got to have something to show. Yeah. You have to have something to show. Now people are, oh, snap, okay. You need to be reputable. Like people need to realize that you are somebody actually building this out. You're you're skilled enough to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Same rule applies for a startup. I think what, did it for me was um, we had phenomenal technology, but we, I wasn't pitching to anybody until the software was at least in its minimal viable product phase, which was get it to a point where it's impressive to even look at and premiere. Right. Um, And then hopefully it's enough where you're able to either make money or you're able to gain enough um, traction where like millions of people sign up to use it and start using it. And that's the new name of the game. Like I tell people now, like, don't even do this. If look, <laughs> if you come from money. If you come from money, you can easily raise capital from your uncle and your aunts, right. and by just just flowing with money, great, fine. Um, but if you don't, you need to be prepared with you and your friends, with whatever savings or money you have, to build this product, and in a way, and then launch you know, a minimal blog product or something good enough where you're able to make a significant amount of capital, meaning. $5,000 a month in recurring revenue and up or millions of users with a, um, with a sticky rate or a um, retention rate that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. If you can't achieve those two things, one or the other, if not both, I would say you may want to rethink this. <laughs> you know, you may want to just do a Starbucks franchise or something. Right. Because it's, it's, it's terribly difficult to uh raise capital um pre-product mm-hmm. you know you almost forget it with some of these people of uh, some of these investors and um yeah and then if you and then that's the new thing now like like if you pitch right now they're gonna say traction what's your traction and if, if you're like no customers forget about it right how many users none forget about it done no product forget about it nope. yeah. <laughs> you know the only way you probably have no customers and have a product and they probably say yes if you built some amazing robot mm-hmm. 
you know, okay, <laughs> or driverless car. Okay, cool. Now yeah. So how'd you how'd you get your idea for Unami? Uh, is it Unami or You Know Me? Yeah, you know me. Um, you know me. So, we, so with, with Pixapart, with our animation studio, we were you know, working on multiple projects. I think we were working on a music video t- at the time. And I remember the client wanting um, there to be speech or rapping in the video with these cartoon characters. And mm-hmm. we were like, cool, but that'll be like an additional $15,000 if you want that. You know? And this right. is, for, I think, a two-minute <clears throat> uh, music video. Hmm. Uh, and they were like, really? It's like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, You've you got to hire people. To sit here and sync all that up that it's, it's, it's quite a bit of work rap is not known for its slow talking slow mouth i know right <laughs> exactly exactly. Blue eyes. <laughs> exactly you're getting enough for each and every shot every angle it's like not like head turns and stuff like forget about it <laughs> so, so i was like hold on isn't there something that's that automates this by now and we looked and the few things we found were just trash it just mm-hmm wasn't even worth using. Was that during your time at Nickelodeon? Because I saw you had some look like animation credits on your IMDb page. Yeah, yeah. No, this was actually afterwards. Um, mm. It was, I think, right when we sold Nito and mm-hmm. I were working on some projects then. Or uh, and then and then that's when I said, "Oh snap! Okay, nobody solved this. Okay, let me kind of dive deeper into this." And then what I realized was. We're still you know, on it. We're still updating the software. What I realized is it wasn't a big enough market um, or there's a big market, but the, the marketing involved to really scale it was, it wasn't that it was expensive. It's just that, you know, if you don't have the right investment capital, it just, it just becomes a bigger risk. So that's when we decided to kind of develop other software to go in conjunction, uh, which would um, sell a lot quicker without um, high marketing costs. Mm-hmm. So that's, we kind of pivoted to afterwards. After once I kind of once you kind of get to that minimal viable product, then you're really reaching out to investors to um, to really pitch from there. And even that's hard. I think what what really helped me was you know backstage capital came in. Um, they invested the first hundred thousand um, into our company, and then we just kind of were off to races then. And I think looking back, so this is one thing I learned so far with Unami that I wish I knew when I first started. I didn't really know what equity crowdfunding was. It was out for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And just for your users, um, if they don't know, equity crowdfund is almost like a mini or pre-IPO. Um, you're a- able to list your company, go through a lot of regulations like either Reg C or Reg CF, just um, a portal or uh, kind of contracts that you go through with the SEC. And then they allow you to um, list your company on private groups like MicroVentures. So we're on MicroVentures right now, okay. like Start Engine, but we, yeah, we're on MicroVentures. So they list your company, and then um, unaccredited uh, individuals can invest in your company. Ah, okay. That's the that's always been my biggest hangup. Is everything that I found that looked like a good opportunity I wanted to try to get into required mm-hmm. that stupid accredited uh, caveat, exactly. which is. Really annoying. I, I don't like the government telling me that I can't invest in something because I don't have enough money. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's arbitrary. It's basically, I think last I heard, I think you made, I think, $200,000 a year or more, or you owned a, a more than a million dollars in assets. And it's funny, the new thing I and heard is also not including your house, too. Exactly. Not including your Bastards. house. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, so. so the good thing now is they 
created a new portal where now you can go on sites like MicroVentures and invest. And the shocking thing is, I thought it was only going to be companies like mine on the like early stage. Surprisingly, the bigger players were actually on there. Because mm-hmm. I could have sworn I even saw an Airbnb. I mean, don't quote me on it, but I could have sworn I saw a while back Airbnb was actually on there. Really? And a couple of bigger players. Yeah, there was, there was actually some bigger players I saw on there. Um, and I was shocked. I, I saw like driverless truck companies on there, driverless car companies, like significant players were on that platform. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this is this is kind of crazy. Um, we'll, we'll make sure we put a link in the episode description for anybody who wants to check that out, too. Yeah. Mike, micro ventures. OK, yeah, so, so somebody can go on there and and does, is there like a minimum investment on there? Yeah. So our campaign um, for Unami is minimum one hundred dollars. You could invest as low as hundred dollars on on the wow. on the platform. That's affordable. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. And they have they have um, accredited investors that are on there too. So so we'll get investments on there of like two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. Um, but I think a lot of the accredited investors will do like two k um, option or put or uh, uh, positions on multiple companies. So because mm-hmm. they're feeding companies on there, you can have a field day. I think they even have one portal on there. I think they have it synced up where you just put in, um, I think, monthly amounts within there. And then I think they have an automated investment portal. Um, they have another system where I think if you want to invest your, let's say, through, let's say your uh, their funds in your IRA, um, mm-hmm. if you want to invest that into this portal, you can do that. <laughs> really? Uh, Wow. Yeah, the one guy actually did it. I actually had to go through a whole system to kind of approve it for him. But yeah, it, you could do that too. Um, so it's it's fascinating. And, and and the beauty is the way they have our company info laid out, it's gorgeous. You see all the data. It's it's fully transparent. All the financials are on there, everything, team, descriptions, video, all of it. I was looking through that last night, actually, as we were preparing for this interview, and I, I was actually very impressed with how much you've managed to do with uh, with a limited budget. I mean, exactly. looking at your monthly expenses, I was shocked to see how low that actually was. Yeah, we're very lean, very lean. And I mean, I think we're we're just trying to like, you know, I mean, that's what happens when you're when you're scrappy. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. biggest values I think a startup founder should have is be very scrappy. Um, I mean, there's some where I see, and they're lucky. Look, like I, 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 I am envious for some of these guys who were like, "Yeah, we didn't spend our own money. We just got three hundred fifty thousand from like our our friends and family, and just got it." I'm like, "Damn, dude." See, I don't you want to invest in that guy. I want to invest in the yeah, scrappy guy. That, exactly, because all I could think is when, even when they said it, because I think it was like four guys, and all I could think is, yeah, when this thing gets really tough. I think these these are the four guys that are just going to dip and go back to their normal nine to five job. Right. Yeah. Oh, they, they don't really have skin in the game, in my opinion. They don't have skin in the game, and they don't. I don't think they truly understand the value of that dollar that they have, too. You got yeah. somebody who's been through the, you know, been through a little bit of life trials, mm-hmm. actually knows what a dollar is worth. I like to see that when I make an investment. I totally agree. Like if I was to invest in a startup right now, and if you didn't put in significant amount of capital in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not putting money in this, you know, (laughs) like no skin in the game at that point, you know. So and yeah, because even with uh, my first startup, yeah, I dropped seventy five thousand. 
for that one. This new one was like 130, you know, just yeah. get it going. And when I, and I'm, I'm proud to be like, you know, let's say some investor throws in 25 and, you know, we didn't hit the exact numbers and he's kind of pissed. I'm like, look, I get it. But you got to understand 25 is great. We help. But I put in 130 over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we are, you know, I, I, I'm it's all in over here. It's no. So, yeah, like I think that that really, you know, and just to even circle back to the equity crowd from what I was to finish my uh, thought is when we first got that investment capital from backstage, had I known about the equity crowd from, I found out about by accident. I think I just emailed them by accident. They, they broke it down to me and I, I almost thought it was too good to be true. I was like, you mean I don't do nothing, just list it and that's it. And blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. I was like, okay, let me get this, give this a try. But after backstage put money in, after I waited, they had me talk to about um, a couple of investors to, uh, afterwards for two weeks. In that, in that two weeks to probably an extra two more weeks, if no investors hit me back, I went straight to the equity crowdfund. Mm-hmm. And just because when you are losing momentum and raising capital, it hurts. It really slows production down. It slows you down as a company. And it really will test your, your grit. It will test how dedicated you are to, to the company. And it really saved us for sure. This is our second time doing it. And the first time I didn't realize we could do what's called a rolling close. And what that what's is. A- yeah, what that is is it's um let's say you're raising let's say four hundred thousand, right? They have yeah. it on micro ventures where if you raise up to that your first seventy five k, you could pull it out and start using it and keep oh. raising. Oh wow! Yeah, and I think the next tier, if I remember, it might be like when you raise your next, I think one fifty or one twenty five, something like that. Then you get that, and then you're just keep raising. I was like, this is genius. Like, why didn't y'all tell me this the first time? We <laughs> reason. I want to stop, you know? Like, it's, I was like, geez. So what so, is the the person who goes to your site or goes to the your your profile on there, likes your company and wants to throw in, you know, say 500 bucks? Like, what does he get? Like, what does that $500 well, get him? Good question. Uh, so it's a convertible note. So convertible notes are the vehicles for pretty much all startups. Or you could do what's called a safe note which is pretty much round about the same thing. It's just that um, safe notes don't have interest that goes towards investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think a maturity date too. I think uh, those are the other two, two things, but most traditional investors will prefer um, a convertible note. Um, some will allow a safe, um, and you can do a mix of both uh, depending on the investor. As long as the valuation of the company is pretty set, that's pretty much the top um, mm-hmm. stand. Uh, benchmark. So, um, so you get a convertible note, which pre- pretty much is like almost like a loan. Um, and then what it means is you're you're down the line. Your the the money you put in will ultimately trigger and become stock shares in a, in, a, in the company. Um, okay. So you're kicking it down the line because the company's still getting their stuff together. And then once they get everything together or raise a certain amount, then your 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 note will eventually convert into stock. So it's a chance to get a you know, stock at a, a significant yeah. discount then. Yeah, exactly. There, it could, exactly it comes with a significant discount. Right. Of course, shares in the company. And then and that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Are those shares part, like if, does, if a company, like I invest in, in well, let's say I got on there and I invested in Unami and then the, the company you know, takes off and it's wildly successful. Is, is that going to then have an IPO? 
or a direct listing? It it so it depends. So like let's just say I'll give you multiple scenarios. So it could do something where you know I mean blows up, you know, um, some big co corporation buys it out, and then um, by that point your shares have will already. Um, I mean your your note will convert into shares. So once it's acquired. Um, there'll be a set amount that you'll automatically get as an investor. Generally with exits, the common stock share or the, the common stock shareholder or the investors will get paid out first. So whatever the terms are in the deal, like let's say if it's 1X or 2X, it'll automatically you'll get paid first. Mm -hmm. And then common stock shareholders get whatever is divvied out, whatever's left over. So um, then, so let's just say, uh, I, I have 50% of, as a common stock shareholder, whatever's left over in that pool, I'll get 50% of that. And then whoever, the rest of the common stock shareholders will get their portion as uh, beyond that. So that's pretty okay. much how it breaks down. So what we're getting, so we're getting preferred shares then. If yes. we're getting we're first in line, that means they're non-voting. Yeah. It depends on like what your term sheet says. Mm -hmm. um, but generally um, like right now, the only person on our, on our cap tables meet, you know, right. um, now if a VC comes in, uh, they'll they'll definitely get like probably two seats if you're if like we got a VCN um, or like at Series A use that Series A they're definitely getting a board seat. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and of course you know when you invest all you know it's gonna of course dilute you know yeah. uh, with more people coming in. Um, and then now if you IPO, then that's your option, your chance to you know of course you'll automatically you know get inducted into that round. And then it's up to you to decide if you sell when you, they IPO or if you keep it and uh, ride it out. Mm -hmm. Oh, screw that. I'll be holding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. IPO always jumps, it seems like. <laughs> it, it really does. Yeah. yeah so the, there's no lockup period for shares that you got through like a micro ventures thing? With us, you're definitely like locked in once you're, you're, you're not selling until, um, of course, if there is an IPO. Um, your ultimate right. mission is yeah, either IPO or the company exits and, you know, that's how you get your money. Now, down the line, too, another option, which, you know, is, is a possibility is um, let's say the company's doing really well. There's no real exit in line. There's no IPO. They want to stay private. And maybe at that point, they're doing dividends payouts for shareholders or something like that. That's an option down the line as well. I like dividends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That passive income. Yep. So, yeah. Definitely changed the game significantly. You know, before, like, the, without that critical platform, we, we'd have been done. It would have been mm -hmm. very traumatic. Um, it really helped tremendously, and we're at it. We're doing, you know, well, very well now. But I'd say it's taken the place of um, friends and family. It's taken the place of even um, that pre-seed. You know. You know, pretty much say pre-seed, it's just gone. You're just, unless you really know some wealthy people that are really cool, <laughs> I'd say this pretty much just gone. You're, you're kind of leveled the playing field more than anything else. Yeah. So now you have a good, great place to go, especially now you will need, I think most of them require that you have a lead investor mm -hmm. uh, of a significant amount of capital, which I miss, I don't know if it's 50,000 or if it's a hundred thousand, but it's around that range. Um, and then the new thing now is uh, VCs are going on there and raising capital. So Backstage actually went on there and raised, I think, $1.07 in four hours. Hmm. Yeah. So I could, let's say they did it again. Like I could invest in the venture capital company that's then going to take that money to invest in another company. Pretty much. You'd be LP. So, so that's how, huh. just so, yeah, huh. that's, yeah, and let's break that down. 
So this is like the SPAC of crowdfunding yeah. <laughs> venture capitalism. <laughs> yeah, so a lot, multiple VCs are definitely doing it now. So with the with VCs in general, um, that's really all they are. Um, because let's say you're stupid wealthy and you see a VC fund you like, um, yeah, you'll to be their LP, which stands for, uh, is it lead partner? I think that's what it is. Um, Sounds good. Um, yeah, I forgot. I forgot the exact. Um, I don't think anyone's gonna fact check you. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, or limited partner, something like that. Limited partner, um, I think sounds. Yeah, and so I think they, they, they yeah, they'll throw in one mil. Like I'm gonna throw one, one mil in. I want like um, you to focus on just um, fintech and on mobile devices in emerging markets. That's it. And so they go out, they vet people, da da da, and then they probably present you with a couple, and you're like, cool, cool, cool. I like what you're doing done and that's that's really it and they expect like you know more than 10x um in the next five to ten years or whatever so that's generally how it works so now they're allowing you to be an lp you know i really like that so yeah that's that's kind of the new thing so it's it's fascinating where all this is going and then the feds just upped the amount you could raise on equity crowdfund to 75 million wow yeah why are there limits on that the feds, I mean, I think when they fir- first, they weren't even allowing you to do anything like this. Mm-hmm. That's, that's two, because um, I think in Obama's, when Obama was in power, uh, and, and uh, like running things, that's when it kicked in. I think they, they loosened it up even more. I think it went from, I think it was below, I think it was at like 1. 1.07 mil. And I know the numbers you raise are odd. Right. Um, then they up to, to, I think, 5 mil change and then i think it got shot up i think recently i just read a report it's 75 mil now and i was like damn yeah hopefully that's not a sign of inflation (laughs) (laughs) yeah right so so yeah it's going to be really interesting to see where all this goes because i think a lot of people are going to start flooding these markets but you know the competition is going to get high too oh yeah you're as a company, you really have to step it up. But there's some heavy hitters on on these platforms. I'll, I'll tell you. What are some other platforms besides micro ventures? So I know um, there's Start Engine. Um, I think they're the only ones I can think of off the top of. Oh, and then there's um, I think Republic. I think that's the one uh, Backstage raised their funds on. Um, so yeah, Republic is like I think the Republic is a new one. I think Republic has it set up where it's damn near like Robin Hood. <laughs> But trade you can get on there and just easily kind of just invest the way they have it set up. I know there's one called Fundrise, I think it's what it's called. Yeah. That allows yeah. you to invest in real estate. Like you get to take part in like major like mm-hmm. um, you know, groups that go out and purchase large blocks of apartment buildings. Exactly. I've seen that. I almost considered doing that myself one time. I did too. <laughs> my issue was liquidation. Yeah. You know, granted with a startup you're you're locked in too, but you know, you're after kind of far, far more aggressive type of growth versus real estate. You're more after the passive dividend payout. You know, that's really what you're looking for there. Uh, it's it's just wild to me to be sitting in a situation where, uh, and I feel like like the internet and apps has been a big part of making this happen. Mm-hmm. Where me as an everyday Joe can be like, oh, I'll invest a hundred dollars in this company, and it's not a public company; it's it's a private company. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes me feel like the retail investor <laughs> now has access to the venture capital world. You, you really do, and a lot of these companies do eventually, you know, or some of these companies do eventually IPO and. 
and blow up. So it's it's definitely another way to kind of you know uh, diversify your your portfolio and get in on an early deal. But I mean, obviously, I think you probably prefer micro ventures because you're you're using it. Was there a reason that you went with them over one of the alternatives like Start Engine? Yeah, good question. Uh, they were the cheapest. I mean, they with our first, <laughs> they they don't take. I think for the first one we did, I think it's Red CF. It was one of those, and the cap was at one hundred seven, one hundred seven thousand, and they didn't charge any fees. I was like, whoa! And I think it's because they were like, yeah, we're a VC as well, and we just like to kind of support, and we feel like we're doing great. Then we know we bring you on and. Um, now this other one with the rolling close, they there is a fee, um, but it's still lower than everybody else. I mean, there were some egregious ones. God, there was some that was like seven percent, and I think then four percent in convertible note, and then additional set twelve thousand dollar that they take out. It was crazy. It was <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So you had to give them a slice of the company just to go through the platform. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> sounds like Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was just these long list of fees and then like additional 2%. I was like, God. And so I was like, uh-uh. Like, I was like, you know, I'll stick with MicroVentures. I know I know these guys. I know the platform. It looks gorgeous when your, your, um, your portfolio or your uh, company's up. So, yeah, it's like why, you know, um, go with somebody else if you know how this one works and that they're doing very, you know, very well. If, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly, exactly. But yeah, like the other, they, they could get. They some of these guys can be v- very egregious with with their terms for sure, and it's definitely something to watch out for and read the fine print. Do not go into the, any of this without a lawyer combing through it. Right. That's the other thing. Um, the SEC is really involved at this point. Like now, <laughs> we, we got to we got to do annual reports, which. I think it's good because now let's say, you know, there was acquisition. Everything's buttoned up right now. Right. You know, you've already got all your paperwork together. Exactly. I know that was the other crazy thing when you, when we got on the platform, they wanted financials from inception of the company. I was like, what? I don't, I don't have that. You know, like (laughs) we're still like early. We don't, we don't have any of that just documented. So I had to get my lawyer, pay him, I mean, accountant, pay him and get all that set up, get everything set up properly in QuickBooks and organized and buttoned up. So it was good. It was definitely a great way to kind of get us really sharp, get all our docs sharpened up and updated, the convertible notes, converting, you know, just it was crazy. My my wife is going to be really happy when she listens to this, knowing that she she handles the uh, the accounting side of our company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's been doing all the paperwork, keeping track of everything since we started this thing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> she'll be really happy to know that it's worth the investment in time. Man, <laughs> it really is because yeah, because like I said, if you ever get to a point of IPO, or even if you do um, get acquired, they're going to want this stuff too. Oh yeah. You know. Now I just need to find a lawyer to be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you're still single. Oh no, you're not married, right? You can marry a lawyer. Marry a lawyer. <laughs> Your partner Jen would be that okay, doesn't right? sound like a good recipe. <laughs> Even marriage pissed off. I was like, do you know how much work this is? <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget the last contract we signed for the exit of the first startup. It was insane. I kid you not. It was the equivalent of the Bible. 
Oh, wow. It was that many pages. On that thin of paper, too? <laughs> it, 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 it was, yeah, right? <laughs> it was, I just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled, and I told my lawyer, this is insane. I was like, I can't read through all this. And he's like, don't worry, I got you. I mean, they could have easily had, we, we own your first child when it's born. Right. Or something. <laughs> and and you, you would have never seen it. I don't care if you read it yourself, you still wouldn't have caught it. Oh, you just go cross-eyed after the first 20 pages. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. hundreds of pages. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I mean, that that last page alone, you know, was going to eat up insane amount of cost. Wow, is this so much, so much exciting stuff going on? That's a yeah. lot, uh, yeah, a lot of, this took a turn that I wasn't expecting, but man, this is perfectly on brand for us. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny how many things overlap. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look, what business, a lot of things do, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even going back to the team, I really learned company culture. Um, it was, it was a fascinating thing to truly learn about. You think, you know, we all throw the word around, right? Company culture. Mm -hmm. And people think com company culture is, and this is controversial. A lot of people, I have this debate with people a lot. People think company culture is all about oh, everybody get along, be nice and chill and pool tables. No, and, no. no. Conflict and, and is good. Do, just needs to be healthy. Exactly. And here's, here's the one thing I told, like, I went through a course on this and she said, she's like, what's good company culture? And we were like, what's that? Everybody getting along and chill. She's like, no. Nope. She's like, she's like, remember Wolf of Wall Street and those group of douchebags and da, 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 da. She's like, is that good company culture or bad? And we were like, well, bad, right? Like they're kind of doing coke and shit. It's like, no, um, it's actually good. They're all on the same page. They're moving in unison and are getting along and they're and they're accomplishing all their goals, even though it might be criminal, but it, <laughs> right. they're, they're moving as one. Where if it's deep internal conflict, where you know it's halting production, bad culture. Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, you all might be really nice, kind of passive aggressive people if you're tanking financially, bad culture, you know. Right. I got to say, talking to you about all this stuff is making me feel a lot better about Dan and my partnership. <laughs> I keep hearing you say about the important things. I'm like, yep, check that box. Yep. We're yep. good there. Yep. Now we just need yep. to learn how to market. <laughs> yep. I mean, even, even when I think back at, you know, the jobs that I liked and the jobs that I hated, you know, you, you look back and, you, you know, you, the ones that you hated, they were probably toxic. It was crazy. And, but a part of me was just like, it just, it wasn't your culture. You shouldn't have even right. been there. You know, it was a waste of time in even attempting to fix any of it. You know, the minute you realize it's so bad that it's toxic, you just got, you, by any means necessary, you got to get out. The concept yeah. of it changing on its own or you changing, it, it, there's a better chance of me going to your house and convincing you and your wife to change the furniture. Right. Than, than <laughs> yeah, the minute you know, notice it's bad, get out. Yeah. I've been I've been hired into a company uh, back when I was living in Arizona as part of a group. Uh, there's three of us together that you know they wanted us to come in there and help them change their culture. And then it was just so toxic from the top. Uh, I mean, as high as you can get, they never even like gave us the chance to try to fix it for them. You know, they wanted yeah. it. They said they wanted it, but they didn't want to put any of the effort into it. Changing oh, and, the culture and, is almost impossible. Yeah, and and it's it's ridiculous to even almost ask that for someone to do that. Right. It comes from you. I'm like, I hold on, what? 
I learned my lesson. <laughs> like, that's the first thing I would have told him. I was like, look, I'm going to be brutally honest. This comes from you. You know, like, <laughs> I can give you tips, but it's going to be Obi's culture at that point. Yeah. You know, like, this. if I give you a bunch of things to do, it's, yeah, it will be my culture. And then it's now my culture infused with your company, and then it's not coming from you. So it will eventually fail. Mm-hmm. I, I once worked at a place where the uh, the CEO kind of used the the company as his private piggy bank, like whatever he wanted, he just took. Like mm-hmm. he he had a the company had a boat on Lake Havasu mm-hmm. that only he had access to, but the company owned yeah, it, that right. kind of thing. And uh, I remember some of us standing around, and somebody was was taking sodas out of one of the shops. And somebody else is like, oh, you can't do that. That's stealing. And he looked and he's like, well, what would the CEO do? I think it's okay. And then like everybody just cracked open the sodas and drank them. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, was, I was like, yeah, this, you know what? I'd probably make a bigger fuss too if I didn't look at that guy and been like, well, he does it. Mm-hmm. We're just like, why, why should we care? It's true. It's so, I, I remember when I worked at One Network and I'm not going to name their names. And I remember upper management was notorious notorious for that. I remember because I think some companies like you could freelance on the side, you know, as long as it's not your direct competition. So upper management will would do that. And then they would tell us, no, you can't freelance at all. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's dirty. How flagrant it was. Mm -hmm. They would literally hire an outsource group that they co-own to work on projects internally and funnel the money over. I think that's illegal now, isn't it? Or probably was that. I'm just like, (laughs) hold up. You're going to do things that are flagrantly like against the law and just against a company policy, but you're going to tell us this? I was was just like, wow. Does not inspire loyalty. No. Yeah, or or people even listening to you, period. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. And, uh, do this no no i won't do companies, it yeah. companies wonder why there's no loyalty anymore between their you know the company and the employee but i think a lot of people still haven't realized that when pensions went away they lost a lot of their ability to treat yeah. employees any way they wanted to exactly yeah exactly i mean look it, it i always wondered the day it'd be great if there was a day where people were everybody was smart enough or educated enough on personal finance that that you could just walk away from a, a job, mm-hmm. you know, like I did, there was this one girl that somebody told me about and they said, I think she partly came from money, but she worked at a company. I think she's there for like three days and she's like, Oh, this isn't for me. And just never came back. And I always envied that. Like, <laughs> that, that ability, that superpower to just like, mm, this ain't for me. Bye. <laughs> like, this came out. But don't you have bills, right? <laughs> Exactly. But I think even with me, I don't, I, I work that hard that you, you naturally have that loyalty, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that deep dedication because we're, we're bringing a lot to the table and I'm making the work environment great. And you're, and I'm making sure you're working on great things and I'm being brutally honest with whatever you're working on, whatever we're doing. And I'm not one of those where I always thought this was weird growing, growing up, but I always thought it was weird where like I hired you, you hire somebody and then you're like, and you're leaving like this, this anger of like, you're leaving. 
I, I have it where I know you'll eventually leave. And not only that, I'm going to help you find the best thing for you. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm going to help you grow in this industry and then roll out because it's not like, you know, you're, you're the prince and you're just going to inherit this one day. Like that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so let's get you set up so that, you know, um, you could eventually work on the, your next film or something. Maybe that's your next goal, you know? Mutually beneficial is what it should yeah. be. You help exactly. me, I help you. Pretty much. Yeah. Because I mean, I think Gary Veeson said it best too, is like, you can't expect your workers or your coworkers to work harder than you. It is your baby at the end of the day, you know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Really right. You know, um, you just have to give them enough of the incentive to truly keep it going. Yep. And it's not always money. Sometimes it's like, and it really, I used to think that was crazy was I read that statistic. And I think it was the number one reason um, that people felt disenfranchised at work is I think they weren't being listened to. And I forgot what it was, but I remember with me, I would look back at my old bosses at the, these networks. Do you know what I was frustrated with the most? Do you know what I was asking for? You can believe this. Hmm. More work. Oh. <laughs> it, in a roundabout way, I was asking let me build out this, like, I want to develop full on content. If they were to just right. like, which is a moneymaker doing promos is not, that's, a, that's, a, they're losing money. That's, that's a loss. I'm literally asking you, let me with these tools. You want to start Netflix. Pretty much. <laughs> I would, they could, think about it. could you imagine you have a network now and there's a group of your, your, your pro, your producer, your animators and your motion designers wanting to create content. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Oh, it's a, it's a no-brainer now, but back then it was a no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. If it doesn't interfere, uh, no, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why would they tell you no? Uh, this has been great. Let's uh, let's wrap things up with uh, some of the fun stuff that Kyle's got uh, planned for us. All right. I think uh, we stick with the the evil genius or or brilliant entrepreneur, and what we'll do is I'll throw out a name. <laughs> And I'll give uh, Obi a chance to to give us his thoughts on that. Okay. And, uh, All right. I tell ahead. you if they're genius or or if they're a brilliant entrepreneur. Okay. All right. So I think we'll start with uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Evil genius. <laughs> All right. What about uh, Elon Musk? Uh, great entrepreneur for sure. I mean, dash it on the side, but yeah. Dan, uh, what was your quote yesterday? <laughs> I said, uh, I think Elon Musk is one industrial accident away from becoming a James Bond villain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's almost there. Not quite. <laughs> his, his yeah. Nothing's pushed him over the edge to evil yet. All right. What about Bill Gates? Uh, great entrepreneur. Yeah. Steve Jobs? Um, Evil genius because you don't allow your kids to play with iPhone either. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that actually. How about Mark Zuckerberg? Ah, uh, evil genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Obi, you got anything? Uh, do you want to say before we uh, wrap this up? I mean, yeah, you got you got anything to plug? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, and yeah, definitely check out Unami's uh, micro venture campaign. Um, it's doing really well. Definitely check it out. 
I think you'll love it. Um, and thank you so much for having me on the show. And then visit Unami. It's getunami.com. See what we're doing. We're going to be launching a lot of uh, new software pretty soon. Love to have you back, too, at some point, uh, especially uh-huh. if your, your company starts to take off or give us an update after, you know, say, three or six months. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to go uh, throw some money in it, too. I look yep. on that microventure <laughs> site. Uh, there, it's so much fun stuff. And, and uh, it looks like you guys have a phenomenal product. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, I played around with a little bit of animation in my day and, and just seeing and hearing you talk and, and seeing what was on there. It's like, wow, I actually believe in this product. Yeah, same here. Okay, folks, thanks for joining us in the China shop today. We're so glad you made it. We're so glad Obi was here and he could share all his wisdom with us. Uh, remember, if you like our show, let us know by rating and subscribing on your platform of choice. And if you like our show and you hate social media, you don't want to rate or subscribe, then just tell all your friends, come join us in the China shop. And uh, if you don't have friends, uh, pay us some money. We'll put some ads out. We'll try and get you some friends. Let's get it going. (laughs) Remember, it's a big shop and there's room for everybody. And uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. Until then, happy trades. Bye, folks. Bye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.